Well, we are in episode three, message series that we're doing that's about miracles. And uh, I got a quick catch up for you if you weren't able to connect with us in the last couple of weeks, last couple of episodes. So episode one, we talked about miracles of deliverance. Jesus has authority over the powers of darkness. Freedom is possible. Episode two, we talked about miracles of healing. Now, I'm always curious, but I'm I always want to know if people are like me in this. Have you ever honestly prayed this type of prayer? It kind of goes something like this, God, if you just get me through this, just save me right now, I'll serve you forever. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? Honestly, come on. Could have been a test that maybe you didn't study the best for, right? God, get me through this test, right? Maybe some of you at church online, maybe that's you. Go ahead and acknowledge it, okay? You can put it in the chat. Let everyone know. Come on, tell the truth. It's good for the soul. Let it out. Maybe it was with the police. Hmm? Hmm? Could be get me out of this ticket. God, I'll never speed again. I promise I'll never speed again. Maybe your story is about bowing down over the porcelain throne, just making your offering like years ago when you drank too much. God, I'll never drink again. God, just get me home safe, I'm sure. I promise I'll never drink again. God, if you could just save me from this, I'll serve you forever. Today we're going to look into the miraculous power that God has to protect, to save, to deliver. Miracles of protection. Psalm 37, verse 39 to start, tells us about God's power. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord rescues the godly. What about me? Our God has the power to save, to deliver, to rescue, and it's not something that you earn. That's been the experience, I'm pretty sure, for many of you. For many of you, there's a story where when you look back over the course of your life, you say, I remember that time that God actually rescued me at a certain point in my life. That's my story. I mean, God rescued me. I shouldn't be here. I should be dead. I was driving a car that was partially driven over by a transport truck. The car was a 1983 Toyota Tercel brown, three shades of brown, as I recall. It had metal body panels that felt like recycled beer cans, soft, very, very pliable. Uh, The truck was brand new, straight off the lot with a completely empty trailer, so it was as light as possible. It hit the passenger side of the vehicle and began to drive up and over the car. The truck driver jackknifed the truck, threw himself into the ditch to free the car. So the, that sent the car spinning, but never flipping, spinning down the road for at least 150 feet. The first vehicle behind the truck was an ambulance. The second vehicle was a police car. The ambulance was on the scene before the car stopped moving. That is some serious, rapid response. I should have died that night, but I didn't. I was saved. I was spared. I was chosen. 
And here's the uncomfortable part, okay? So many would find it very difficult to understand how could God protect someone without protecting someone else? Because people die in car accidents all the time, too much of the time. You know that. Why was I saved and so many others not? How come? And I want to talk about the tension today of a God who can save, who can protect, but sometimes things don't go the way that we think they should. And honestly, it's a difficult subject to cover, right? But, but I believe, one, that can not only provide some answers, maybe some comfort, but at the very same time, it can build your faith in a God who does do miracles. So two big thoughts today, and I hope that as we go through the message that each of these thoughts will make a little bit more sense as we go, as we progress, as it sinks in a little bit, and then that's going to do something for your faith both right now and in the future. First thought is this. Long before you face a problem, God already has a plan. Long before you face something unexpected, something difficult, even something tragic, our God has a plan. I'll just show you quickly a couple of scriptural examples. Uh, long before the rain flooded the earth, God had already planned for Noah, his family, and the right animals to be on the boat. Before Jonah was ever thrown overboard, God already had a plan for a fish to come and to rescue him and to take him safely to shore. Long before the Israelites were boxed in by Egyptian soldiers behind them, mountain on the other side, and a sea in front of them, God had planned to part the Red Sea so that they could escape on dry ground. What does that mean for us today? What do we take from that? Now, there might be someone here who might find comfort in long before you discovered the bad news about your health, or long before you lost the job, or long before that girl broke your heart, God already had a plan. And what do we know about God? Our God is a God who can miraculously rescue, save, and protect. He can commission angels from heaven to guard His people at the Word, at His Word, just a command. He can shut the mouth of hungry lions, and He can calm a raging storm. Long before you ever face a problem, we can embrace the truth that can minister to us, that can prepare us to be in that place, even when we don't understand it, long before you face the problem that God already has a plan forward. So I want to unpack that a little bit, uh, talk about this miracle of protection. I'm going to show you uh, some stories. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is uh, Acts chapter 16. And let me just give you the context of where we are in this story, what's going on here. There was a girl, uh, a slave, and she was predicting the future. She was possessed with a demon and was protecting, pre predicting what is to come. Okay, so she's making her owners a ton of cash because she's got good info. Um, and evidently, this girl was kind of a nuisance to Paul and Silas who were in town. She follows them around telling everybody who they are. And so they tolerated it for a couple of days, and eventually they just grew weary of her yelling and distracting all around them. And so they turned around and they cast the demon out of her. And suddenly the men that were making a profit off this poor young girl 
lost their cash cow. And so they get really upset. And so they told some lies about Paul and Silas, and essentially they stir up, start a riot that was baseless, totally untrue. Paul and Silas now find themselves victims of a rioting mob. Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 22. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates, the, 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 the people in charge, the legal stuff, ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. Verse 23, and after they had been severely flogged, they were then thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. So Paul and Silas are out serving Jesus. They're faithfully doing what God has called them to do. They're helping people. They are unfairly accused. They are wrongly stripped of their clothing, flogged, and beaten with wooden rods, severely beaten. Okay, so if I'm Paul, and I'm going to talk a little bit about Paul today because Paul has gone through hardship like hopefully you'll never go through. He's kind of our main character that we're going to look at. At some point, I might be thinking, God, that's not fair. Uh, not, not only was it not fair, it, he was a Roman citizen, and, and he was exempt from that type of punishment because it was illegal to punish a Roman citizen in that way. So not only is he falsely accused, he didn't do anything wrong, but he's unfairly, illegally beaten because he was supposed to be exempt from this. And I'm hoping today that most of you have never been stripped and beaten physically. But tragically, some of you have been stripped of hope and you feel beaten down. You once had faith and you believed that you could trust God in any way, but, but then something happened, and your hope was stripped away. Others of you, maybe, um, you, you were beaten, weren't beaten with a club, but you, you've been beaten with words. You've been discouraged, maybe from other people, but maybe also from what you keep telling yourself. Maybe you're just beaten down. Once you were vibrant, you were full of faith, and now you feel like you've been stripped of what you once held dear, and you've been beaten down unfairly. Now think about Paul in this circumstance here. He's doing what God called him to do, and he's publicly, painfully tortured. He's beaten. Like a lot of people today would say, God, that's not fair. I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're doing. You said you'd protect me, and you didn't. What did God not do in that case? God did not provide a miracle of protection. He could have. He could have sent a 10-foot angel that comes, sort of bows in and says, don't mess with him or you'll get me and all my brothers. God could have done that. That could have happened. But God didn't do that. So what did the Apostle Paul do when God let him down? When God didn't protect him, when God could have protected him, I'll tell you exactly what Paul did. Paul did what happens all the time today. Paul quit going to church. He stopped praying. He stopped listening to Jesus' music on Life 100.3, and now he only listens to that sex, drugs, and rock and roll music from that point on because he's going to show God. He's going to let God know. He's going to make God pay. God, you failed me, and so I'm going to turn my back on you. God, you could have protected me, but you didn't. That's not what Paul did. But we see that around us all the time. Acts chapter 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. 
after God did not miraculously protect them when He could have. They are singing and worshiping, giving God praise, lifting up their hands, lifting up their hearts, lifting up their voices, and they are giving their good God praise. And all the other prisoners were listening. And you can only imagine what's getting whispered between the cells then. They're thinking, these guys have lost it, right? What is going on in there? I've never seen anything like this before. And then suddenly, and I, I love this part about our God, that He is the God of suddenly, unexpectedly, even when you don't think that there's a way out, even when you think that you're locked up, even when you think there is no hope, even when you've been beaten down and stripped, suddenly, suddenly our God can show up. And a few minutes ago, God didn't protect him, but now God does a miracle. Verse 25, suddenly, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. A miracle is when God in heaven intervenes on earth. God didn't do a miracle, and now God does a miracle. The ground shakes, the doors come open, and the chains fall off. But Paul didn't wait to worship until after the miracle. But Paul worshiped God before the miracle. Let me just paraphrase the author of Hebrews. Sometimes we offer God a sacrifice of praise. There are situations when we praise God, when we feel it, when we sense Him all around us, and sometimes we praise Him when we don't feel it, and we don't sense Him. We still choose to offer Him a sacrifice of praise. We're worshiping for what He has not yet even done. We're not worshiping for what He has done, but it's more about who He is. It's a sacrifice of praise. We may not feel anything yet. We might not be experiencing yet, but we continue to trust Him, and we take a next step toward Him. So when do we worship our God? We worship Him when we feel it and we worship Him when we don't. We, we worship Him when we see His hand, and we worship Him when we don't see His hand. Sometimes we have to offer a sacrifice of praise. And that's what some of you already did today. You may not have felt much. You, you, you may be a little bit deflated, but you praised Him anyway. You praise Him not because of what you see Him doing or not doing, but you praise Him for who He is. You continue to trust Him even in the dark. Before there was the miracle, Paul and Silas are praising God. Someone here may need to take a day, to take a little bit of time, and thank Him ahead of time, not because you see what He's done, but because of who He is. These guys, they're right in the middle of prison. It's midnight. They're praising God after they've just been beaten. God shows up. There's an earthquake. The jailer wakes up, sees the doors are open, and he's like, I am going to lose my job. These guys are out of here. I'm going to lose my job, and that means that they're going to kill me because I failed. If that's true, I might as well kill myself. Then I can control it, right? So he draws his sword. He's about to kill himself, and Paul says, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on. Over here. Over here. We haven't left. We're all here. And the jailer's like, oh my gosh. 
The God that you were just singing about, that I heard you singing about, He's obviously real. Tell me, what do I need to do to become friends with Him? That's a bit of a paraphrase, but that's the way I'm going to say it. There's the quick version. So not only did Paul introduce the jailer to Christ, but the jailer's entire family comes to know the goodness, the grace, the salvation available through Jesus Christ. I want you to feel, I want you to sense what I just showed you. Not only was Paul saved, not only was Silas saved, not only was the jailer saved, but the entire family of the jailer also. So in that, what do we see? Track back a little bit. Go back in time. Before Paul went to prison, before he was beaten, God already had a plan. But he, uh, before he ever went into that prison, God already had that plan. God did not do a miracle of protection when they were being beaten, and they would have liked it if he had. But God did, at the right time, do a miracle of protection when they were in prison. Now, that's the obvious way that we can see that God protected Paul. But there's so many other things that, that are just not so obvious to the natural eye. And I'm convinced that God is protecting us from these things all of the time when we don't even sense it. So imagine you're running late. you got a meeting, and you get stuck behind a train in your car, and you go, oh, man, this isn't fair. I really need to get there. And you have no idea that God might just be protecting you from something on the other side of that train. He's protecting you, and you don't even know He's protecting you. You wanted that job. Oh, you wanted that job. You were qualified for that job, but you didn't get that job. And you can't believe it. Six months later, everyone who got the job gets laid off, and now they're all out of work. And you recognize that God may have been protecting me in ways I didn't understand at the time. There is probably somebody here at some point you might, you might want to just think about writing this down, and, and you want to praise God that He didn't answer one of your prayers that you really wanted to have happen. You prayed so hard, but it didn't happen. But if what you had wanted had happened, then what God did would not have happened. And you realize that God did what is so much better than what you originally wanted. For some of you, there's a name attached to that prayer, right? It, 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 maybe it was a guy that you dated, and you're going to thank God now that he didn't let you marry that guy that you wanted to marry years ago because he had something so much better, so much different for you in mind. Sometimes you just offer God a sacrifice of praise. And as we get to know the goodness of God, as we learn over time His faithfulness, we see time and again His character, His nature. When He breaks off the chains, breaks down the barriers, and throws open the doors, and when He could have sent an angel of deliverance, but He doesn't, when we get to know His goodness and His faithfulness, we start to recognize that long before we face the problem that we're facing, God already has a plan. And over time, as we spiritually mature, as we grow in our faith, as we become more like Christ, eventually we learn that sometimes, here's thought number two, God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Oh, and that one true. Let me say that again. Just let this sink in for a second. Sometimes we start to learn that God's eternal purposes don't align with our temporary plans. Think about this. God delivered Paul from prison until he didn't. This wasn't the only time that Paul was arrested and put in prison. Scholars estimate that he spent between five and a half to six years 
in prison at different times. God broke him out when the time was right. God didn't break him out when God had another eternal purpose. So after his, I think it was like his fifth missionary journey that he's on, Paul is in prison again, and he's being tried by Emperor Nero in Rome. And Paul was found guilty of being faithful to Jesus. And so Paul was not crucified for his faith because a Roman was not allowed to be put to death by crucifixion. He had the privilege, because he was a Roman citizen, of being beheaded. And at that moment, when God could have sent an angel, God didn't send an angel. And just like 10 of the other 12 disciples who followed Jesus. Judas turned away and hung himself. John survived being dipped in boiling oil and then died after being exiled to the Isle of Patmos. Peter was crucified upside down. James was executed by Herod. Andrew, also crucified. Thomas, speared to death by four soldiers in India. Matthew, stabbed in Ethiopia. James, the other James, then clubbed to death in Syria. Stoned and then clubbed to death. Stoned and then clubbed in Syria. Simon the Zealot, executed for refusing to sacrifice to the sun god in Persia. Matthias, burned in Syria. And all of the others who faithfully followed Jesus, God protected them until he didn't. And before you face a, a problem, God always has a plan. And sometimes when we wake up, we realize that His higher purposes, His eternal purposes, they're, they're higher than our thoughts. We don't always get them. They're beyond our ability in that moment for our human minds living in this temporary world to fully comprehend. Sometimes His eternal purposes, they're very, very different than we would want in the moment. And that's when we learn to trust truly, truly, truly to trust Him for His goodness. And then one day we're going to wake up and recognize He's still good, even in the middle of the storms. One day the baby that you prayed for doesn't make it. And the drunk driver who's guilty kills the teenager who was innocent. And does it hurt? Yes, it hurts. And do we grieve deeply for our earthly loss? Absolutely. Does it feel in the moment often devastating? The answer is yes. Yes, it does. We're not going to pretend that it doesn't hurt. We're not going to pretend that it doesn't matter. But do we continue to trust our God? The answer is yes. Yes, we do. 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 And not only do we trust Him, but we choose to worship Him. We worship Him even though it doesn't seem to make sense to somebody else. We honor Him. We worship Him when we see Him do everything that we want Him to do. And we worship Him when He doesn't do what we think He could do, what we think He should do. But He's God. Because we're not just worshiping Him for what we see in this life. We're worshiping for Him for who He is, for His character. So how does this play out? If we serve a God that can protect, how do we live as followers of Christ? Let me tell you how we live. We get in the habit of praying. We pray for God's divine protection. And, and, and I hope that every single one of you has found a rhythm of how to do this, that you pray every day 
If you're married, I hope that's what it is. You're praying for the protection of your spouse and for your marriage. I, I, I hope you pray for your friends. I, I hope that you're praying for your protection, for the people in your family. I hope you pray for your pastor. I hope you pray for the protection of your children. How do you pray? You say, God, place angels around them. Protect them in Jesus' name because God can do that. Pray for protection from wrong influences. Pray that they wouldn't be tripped up by lies, temptations from the devil. Pray that God would protect their minds, that God would surround them and keep things from them. Protect them in advance so that they don't even know. You know what you can pray? You can pray if they do start. If you see them starting to go the wrong way, pray that they would get caught early. And don't let it drag on. Catch them early so that we can pull them back. I can't count the number of times when I know that God has protected me, so I can't count the number of times that I don't know that God protected me. And here's what you're going to see. So much of what is good in me, if you can find anything good in me today, is a result of something that God did not protect me from. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I came out of high school. No real idea at all. Vaguely, I thought, I want to be a lawyer or an actor. And I got a scholarship to York University, so that was the school that I chose to go to. That turned into fine arts theater. But nobody I met believed like I believed. None of them. They asked questions, and I had no answers for them, and they were good questions. And so there was a time that this was really disillusioning. And that brought about some doubt in me. And I decided that I wanted to go to Bible college to deal with some of my doubts instead of just embracing the doubts and saying, I guess they should be doubted. I wanted to know the answers to the questions that these people are asking, good questions. And that took me to the school where I went and I got into the car accident that should have killed me. But I'm not dead. Why not? Why did God spare me? Why did he, what, what, what did he protect me for? What was the plan that he already had in place? So I took a year off school after the accident. I was a little bit more unsure about what I was going to do, and it was a dark time. I was saved, but I was dark. I was dark. I came home early from school because I couldn't think anymore. I had no short-term memory. Couldn't remember stuff. And I was in a bad dating relationship. Bad. B-A-D. And I was dark that summer. I used to listen to the song, Love is Blindness, on repeat. I sat in a dark room with my friend who also was having a really bad year, sat in his room, drapes closed for a bunch of the summer, thinking about suicide on a regular basis. My parents said that they didn't see me laugh. They didn't see me smile from April to October. And that's just not like me. My youth pastor, he asked me to be generous with my time and generous with my talents. And I told him, you don't want me. You don't want any part of me. I got nothing right now. I got nothing but darkness right now. And he pushed, and he pushed, and he called, and he called, and I went, and I began working with students. That year went well, and I went back to school, and then I engaged in my studies. I graduated, and I just knew that I was called to one of the churches that had sent me a job packet. God wants me there. I knew it, and I went. And that church experience turned into chaos and breakdown. The church experienced such negative growth that I was out of a job. They just couldn't pay me anymore. So much fighting. God's people. Now what am I going to do? God, I thought you called me. It was so clear. 
If not this, then what? Who am I? What what am I going to do? I took a year to get another job at another church that I thought was going to be great. I was filled with such hope and excitement, and it collapsed again. There was an incredible communication breakdown throughout the church. My district superintendent just told me, resign and don't say anything. Don't cause a stir. And I obeyed. I didn't say a thing. That job ended in about nine months. Now I have to sell my house. First real loss in my life. $60,000 I lost just to get out of town. I stumble back to my parents' house, a failure, a repeated failure, going nowhere, less than broke, more than broke, debt. I visit my home church, and the pastor there tells me, hey, buddy, that's two strikes against you. I go, but neither one of them was my fault. He, how, how did he even know? I had told nobody what had happened. Next church, I got a year-long contract, and by the end of that, that church is blowing up. My job ends there, and I have no idea where to go. I have my first child on the way, and I'm angry inside now. I'm angry for a good long time, and I'm angry at God, and I'm angry at the churches, and I'm angry at those pastors who all behaved so inappropriately. Angry. Time passes. I work at healing, at forgiving, and I begin to heal. I have a second moment, a second calling from God moment, and it's clear, and it is loud, and I have an opportunity to work at another church, and I leap at it, full of hope. I loved my job, but the church was in intense internal chaos again. How can this keep happening to me? It's all around me. God, how come you are not protecting me from all of this? Why do you keep letting me get beaten up? time and time again. And I've heard of some churches as being great places to work. How come I can't work in any of those? God. And after five years of growing agony, I am physically, spiritually, and mentally deeply sick. I resign. Again, nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. But now, wanting to go somewhere real, and honest and authentic. Flicker of light. A thrill of hope. Now, somehow, that guy that no one would have ever chosen to start a church somewhat intentionally starts a church because he is partnered with a God who just decided this is what was going to happen. So much that I was not protected from. So much that I was being prepared for. No. No, I didn't like being in those places. I didn't like those hard times. Yes, they hurt. But now I'm here. Those wounds have been mostly healed. My mind has been transformed and is being transformed. Those wounds, those hurts, that education, that refinement has brought me here. And I'm not left with angry regret. And I'm not bitter towards God. I am grateful for His presence with me throughout it all, not protected, and carefully protected at the same time. And into one exists because of God's story interlacing my story, hence some of your stories. 
I'm an into one because God has miraculously protected my heart and my mind, my spirit, and my family. It didn't always look like the path that I would have chosen, but I have seen God at work in me and around me and even through me throughout a lifetime. And I'm guessing that we are here together right now because some of the same process has been working out in your lives also. That's why you're here, Church on Main Street. And that's why some of you are here at Church Online. You have been called. You have been directed. You have been protected. You have been guided up until this point. God did not protect me from being rejected. He did not protect me from being cast aside. He didn't protect me from being bumped out of previous churches. But God did redirect me to start a church that's called Into One. If this church has ever done something for anybody, you might want to thank God for what He didn't protect me from. Because what He didn't protect me from often shaped me into who I've become. Let me tell you what in those times, and there were so many times, I didn't understand, and I didn't want it to happen the way that it happened. Why didn't you, God? And where were you? And how come? Before you face a problem, remember, God already has a plan. And sometimes that plan is going to include pain. I don't know about you, but I would rather hurt in the will of God than live a life of comfort outside of it. I would rather be in the middle of learning to trust God when things don't go my way than to be away from His will. Let me tell you what Paul never said when he was in prison, those times when God didn't protect him and didn't send the angel to break him out. He never said, this isn't fair. I certainly did. And he never said, forget you, God. Pretty sure I did. And I'm never going back to that stupid church as long as I live. I tried religion. And it just didn't work. When he wasn't in prison, but still in, in a place of suffering, he said, we rejoice in suffering. He said, even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering, I will rejoice all the more. He said these things not from prison, but he said them when he was in the midst of challenge. He said, I delight in hardships, in persecution and in difficulties. Because whenever I'm weak, then God makes me strong. And he asked the question, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship? or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or peril, or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. He said that we serve a God who is working in all things. He's working in all things. He's working in all things to bring about good to those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. He's working in the breakups and the breakdowns. He's working in the losses and He's working in the wins. He's working in the things that you wanted to happen. He's working in the things that you never, ever wanted to happen. That's our God working at all times. That's why we can praise Him. We praise Him before the miracle because we know that He is always good. He is 
always good. He is always good. He is always good. And I hope that you'll understand that God never, ever, ever promised that He would always protect us. Because remember, you will die. He never promised that He will always physically protect everyone, but He did promise that He would never, ever leave us. He will always be with us. He is always faithful. He is always good. And so if you're one that that does walk away from tragedy, you praise Him. And if you're one that loses someone in tragedy, you praise Him. You praise Him because long before you had a problem, He already had a plan. He already had a plan, and even if His eternal purposes are different than what we wanted in the moment, we will one day dwell with Him in glory, and there will be no more tears there'll be no more pain. And we'll see His glory and His perfection revealed because through and through and through our God is good. Father, we thank You for Your presence today. Your never-ending faithfulness, Your ability to work in and through all things. God, to those who are here today that are facing hardship, God, for those others, those who can't conceive, those who've lost a child. There, there are those who are facing a problem, a mountain of circumstance. Lord, you just, would you move on us today? Give us the faith to worship you, not because of, but in spite of, even before you show that you're capable of, because you've already showed us a couple of thousand years ago just how much you care and just how far you're willing to go to show us your love through your Son. Oh, God, I pray for my friends right now who are here and they, they're in the midst of suffering. They're in the midst of questioning, in the midst of doubting. Remind them that you work in all circumstances. You work through them. You can transform them. Give them back hope, I pray. And God, be merciful. We are fragile. We hold on to pain. And we can choose to hold on to bitterness. God, continue to work in each of our lives at the different way that we need it. Continue to transform our, our heart and our minds by, by renewing it through your word. Holy Spirit, be involved in us and transform us from the inside out. Free us from these things that hold us down. These chains, release them. These walls, break them down. The doors that are in front of us, God, I pray that you would open these doors for us as people, but then for us as a church as well, because we have a community that's outside that is in need, and they don't have the sense that God is anywhere. In fact, they just believe that God is angry at them, and He's punishing them. God, make us vehicles of Your hope and Your grace, that we as a church would be able to break down barriers and open doors for the people that walk nearby, that drive near here, that shop in the same stores as we do. God, give us a heart of compassion like your heart. Set them free also. 
Raise up in this community the church of Jesus Christ that would be strong and compelling because it looks and smells and breathes and acts like Jesus, not justifying bad behavior, but behaving in a Jesus-like way. Fill us with compassion and kindness, love. May we be known as people who love even those we disagree with. Don't let disagreement break that spirit that you are creating of into oneness. We can disagree and not have to disconnect. Holy Spirit, continue to work in us. We're not done. Don't give up on us. Keep using us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.